It's Tuesday, the 11th of October, and it's time to get your on with the Greencast, your fortnightly podcast about gaming. I'm your host, Ace, and joining me is Gozagos. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. Good to hear. We'll talk about some stuff that's been going on once we've talked about what games we've been playing. Take us away, Gozagos. So I've been recently playing uh, Deep Rock Galactic. And Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma is one of my favorite games, so I uh, I really wanted to get back to it for a while now, but just stuff keeps getting in the way. I recently don't have much time for single player games or like RPGs, single player RPGs. I think yeah, so I would play stuff more like Defro Galactic actually. So that's that that's what I usually play, and when I get more free time like a bigger chunk i would play something like dragon's dogma so i managed to play some of that fair enough i actually bought that during a fanatical sale using the game grin affiliate link which you can find on gamegrin.com <laughs> recently so i actually i have that installed and i downloaded a mod to make it look a bit prettier never played it before just wanted to it, it was really quite cheap and i've fancied giving it a go and maybe uh, write a diary about it once I've finished the Deus Ex Mankind Divided Diaries because we're never getting another Deus Ex game at this rate. <laughs> I've seen like it uh, doesn't like the Square sell the rights to the, the, the Deus Ex. They did, yeah. And Square Enix Montreal literally yesterday changed their name to something else I don't recall off the top of my head. But yeah, so we, we don't know what they're working on or if anyone's working on something to do with the Deus Ex franchise. Well, one thing related to that, I actually, I accidentally stumbled upon that story because I was uh, researching Dead House Sonata. Apparently Crystal Dynamics is, which was also owned by Square Enix, right? Yeah. They put out some survey to gauge interest in a Legacy of Kane game. So I imagine other studios that Square sold would be doing that. I imagine interest in Legacy of Kane is high because they all these details about this um, this cancelled Legacy of Kane game, game surfaced a few years ago and that riled up the fan base, including me. <laughs> Are you big into Legacy of Kane? Uh, yeah, I really liked. Uh, I'll except for the first one because. That was a quote-unquote boring click here, go there, click to attack, click to attack. <laughs> Those yeah. games rarely hold my interest, and Soul Reaver onwards were, were much bigger draws to me. Yeah, I think Soul Reaver was the first one that I played. I think it was a PlayStation demo disc, and I eventually yeah. got the full version for PC. And yeah, I played that a lot, and... <laughs> Like, I don't know, it, it was a combination probably of the spooky world and just that the graphics weren't, like, the low-quality graphics made it a bit more mysterious to me when I was younger, so I was scared shitless when I played it the first time. <laughs> One thing that I've always been fascinated by Soul Reaver is... The, the fact that it didn't have any loading screens and they, they were very public with, there's no loading screens, you can go anywhere and, and there's no loading and you can go into the spirit world and there's no loading, even though 
moving to the spirit world is kind of a loading <laughs> animation. But still, that's still something that lots of games struggle with. Yeah, I think it was one of the earliest examples of them basically hiding their loading. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, the, the game, like, at that point, the game wouldn't be able to keep the whole world loaded in. You would just hide it, so you would never never see stuff being loaded in. But, yeah, it would happen in the background. I'm actually playing a game for you. The review goes up on Friday the 14th on GameGrin.com, so I can't tell you exactly what I'm playing, but the... <laughs> Xbox Series version of the game, it loads so quickly that as soon as the loading screen pops up, you can then press any button to skip the loading screen, which makes me wonder why have the loading screen? <laughs> well, do they show hints? Yeah, it does show hints, but you can't skip through the hints because any button press will skip the loading screen. See, something about that, about hints, is that I can't remember. I, there, there's a specific game, I think, but there's probably more games like that that would get ported to, like old games ported to modern hardware, and you would get hints on the loading screen, but the screen would basically be... And you wouldn't get to read your hints. So I appreciate when they have... Uh, where you need to press a button to uh, yeah, close the loading screen, basically. Well, in this case, it's press any button to skip. So, as I say, you can't you can't even look through the hints. It's 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 extra frustrating because when you load up the game, there's almost a minute of unskippable logos. <laughs> yeah, that's frustrating. So I like, hate it's that. Not even it's not even loading anything. I know for a fact because it doesn't load anything in the levels. Yeah, but you need to know who made it and what technology was used, and that. Oh, and this one uses Unreal and FMOD, and what a surprise! And the seizure warning. Oh yeah, seizure warning. In twenty different languages, so that you can learn the languages. Are you playing this game that you literally do not know the title of because you've just listed? What comes up, including the photosensitivity seizure screen? I'm just guessing. <laughs> I think it's from the recent games. I think it's Ghostwire Tokyo that I played that uh, has all those things and they are unskippable. So every single time I like. I, I have OCD, so it's like I subconsciously run a checklist. This, 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 this. Okay, the game is loaded now. Oh, dear. But yeah, I think... Like, maybe the companies that the Square uh, let go would be more encouraged to, like, prove themselves to the new publisher. I, I mean, it's impossible to know if they were working on something and just yeah. struggling or... They were working on something, and Square said, no, that's no good. It's hard to tell where the problem was, but I imagine that if they were, if a new publisher got those those studios that the developers would like to prove themselves and say that, yeah, we're creative and there's value here, 
because otherwise they would probably just dissolve the studios, you know, and or something. Well, but going back to Legacy of Kane, perhaps they sent that survey out to gauge something that's already that was already in production. Perhaps before they they want to make sure that there was a demand for it before they resumed production on it because they they stopped after the um, well when Square Enix suddenly sold everything for pennies. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, you would you would have to find out if they were where if the developer was paying any employees at the time because. Uh, yeah, there's a, you. You'd usually when you're developing something, you you basically you you have people hired and you pay them to do work. But if the development studio exists, but you're not making any games, you won't be have, having so many employees. <laughs> they will be working for someone else probably because they need to like yeah feed their families and whatnot. Yeah. Well, speaking of feeding people, uh, Microsoft have recently revealed that they made $2.9 billion on uh, of revenue on, on the console version of Game Pass, which kind of puts in perspective how much they've been spending on studios in recent years. How much did they spend on studios? I forget exactly, but uh, well, how much was it for uh, Activision Blizzard? I was in the uh, double figures of billions. But if they're making that much just on Game Pass, they've got to be making some on games and plenty on consoles as well. It would be interesting to crunch the numbers a little bit and compare. Yeah, I, I imagine they're doing well um, in general. I mean, the Game Pass is super popular. And rightly so. Have, have you seen the amount of games that's on there? I didn't. There's a lot. <laughs> it it I, is always insane to me because uh, the marketing material says uh, over a hundred games, and there's like almost three hundred games. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I always have a, uh, I always had a little plan to like get the free trial Game Pass to play some game, but by the time, okay, now I have the time to do this. Okay, the game just released on Steam and it's seventy five percent off. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> I won't bother with Game Pass. Well, there's one game that you won't get on Game Pass. Fallout. The reason I bring oh. it up is because it's 25 years old this week. Yeah. If you played Fallout on a PC 25 years ago, what have they done to your poor boy? <laughs> the games are very different. If if you are unaware somehow that the original Fallout was one of the well. As I was saying about Blood Omen Legacy of Cain, a click here to go there, a click to attack type deal. But we've got a couple of articles celebrating the birthday, the anniversary on Gabriel.com. Uh, Niall, who was supposed to be here but through technical difficulties could not be, wrote about why you should still be playing Fallout 25 years later. And nine cultural references found throughout Fallout, a post nuclear role playing game. Because if you've played even the recent Fallouts, you'll see Easter eggs all over the place. In the first one, there was like the the TARDIS from Doctor Who, and a reference to South Park. <laughs> this, this game is as old as South Park. 
I remember in the second one you could uh, stumble upon King Arthur and knights of the round table looking for the Holy Grail. <laughs> and he asks you which direction is the Holy Grail and you can pin, pick uh, pick an option to point in a random way and say that way and they just go that way. Like it's the real reference to Monty Python's. Right. What else? It wasn't the Bri Bridge of Death was, I think, in both five. No, I that was probably just Fallout 2. Fallout 2, because, again, Holy Grail reference. Yeah. Must, must answer me these questions free. And he asks the obvious question. What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the references were, were fun. I feel, felt like when I played Fallout 3, I felt like it lost. Uh, some of its some of its satire, some of its edge, like it was more uh, a little bit more grounded. I guess that also is in part because of the presentation, like interconnected open world instead of a bunch of uh, levels connected on a world map. Although with loading screens, technically was a bunch of worlds. <laughs> mm. I can't remember. I can't remember a, a joke from Fallout 3. Can you? Not off the top of my head. I haven't played it in many years, though. I, I, I suppose New Vegas had some of that, but I never invested a lot of time in that. Never got very far in New Vegas. I, I finished Fallout 3 and New Vegas and 4. I don't remember the ending. I remember stuff that should have been an ending but like there wasn't i don't remember what the quote-unquote end of that was but i never actually played the original or fallout 2 or fallout brotherhood of steel was that the other one yes that was a more uh rts like i i never played out of that either i think i started it once but yeah i think the most i played fallout 2 because at the time I had a PC that had like 8 megabytes RAM, and that was the best game I could run on it. So I played a lot of that. <laughs> but I think like even if you're not into like point-and-click, turn-based combat stuff, it still, it still holds up because of the narrative, because of the world. Uh, it like you can attack any NPC in the game, and like if you would cause problems in a city, you would get killed. And yeah, if you committed a crime, you could get hostile reaction from the like guards in a city, and they would kill you. You would have to reload the the save, and it would give you more respect for like, okay, this shit, th this is real. I need to get into the role playing mindset and act mm -hmm. like I would act in a city. Because if I'm if I do something they don't like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like like in real life, almost. As we've been talking, I've suddenly remembered I did play Fallout once. I got killed by a rat really early, like minutes into the game, and uninstalled mm. it. Anger. <laughs> I don't get on with this genre. Mm. I I. I... Kind of remember it being a bit tough at the mo at the start of the game to like figure out how turn-based combat works uh, so that you survive. 
Yeah, uh, I think it, it's something that I it stuck with me while playing games and moving forward from Fallout. Is that in Fallout to like be successful, you would need to take advantage of everything you had. You like it, it, scour every corner of a level to pick up all the items, like all the money to like buy the best weapons you know all the time just uh, micromanage this stuff and then you would be fine when your characters would be tested in combat but if you didn't do that if you just try to play it casually then yeah there are chances that you wouldn't survive you also probably need to read the manual did you was there a manual it can't. Have, it was the nineties. Everything had a manual. I think I have a have my Fallout Two disc in a box in my room somewhere, but I I'm not sure where. But I can't remember. Did it have a manual? Maybe. <laughs> I can't believe that a, a game, a PC game in the nineties, didn't have a manual. That that would be crazy. Well, may, maybe maybe it had. Maybe it didn't. Like I just. Don't remember it very well it didn't it didn't have uh, like stuff that would that would just get burned in my memory like manuals for fighting games where you get some insane facts about your characters oh kazuya mishima he likes to collect sneakers in the game he kills his dad yeah but his hobby is sneakers <laughs> what that didn't the 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 don't come into play in any of the games, probably. I actually wanted to mention about Fallout 4. I actually never played it, because when it came out, I was like, this just looks like more of Fallout 3. Like, it doesn't seem that different. And I just didn't want to get it because of that. I think it was start for me noticing how games became become similar especially when you get sequels and like yeah it, it just seems too similar to Fallout 3 for me to justify getting it and spending time on it yeah that's fair i i hope that they would bring back the car from fallout 2 and then i would like i i would really like to play it then if <laughs> But no, they didn't. And Do that was you like... really want to drive a car in a Bethesda game? Mm. Think how glitchy the horses are. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I did play Fallout 4, um, mainly because it looked like more Fallout 3. And <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was uh, different the, uh, with the uh, power armor. Right, the power armor that 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 seemed like a cool idea. You you, you could get your uh, like I think one of the early mods was like you could color your armor as Buzz Lightyear or something. I remember that being a thing. I know uh, one of the characters. Yeah, um, it's it's not a mod for the power armor, but uh, one of the characters that you meet and interact with there was a mod to make them look like buzz lightyear i've forgotten the character's name but they kind of looked like buzz lightyear anyway so it was basically just coloring their clothes mm. 
thing that put Andy on uh, the bottom of one of his boots. Oh, how, how do you look at the bottom of his boot, though? Wait until he goes to sleep or, you know, murder. Right. <laughs> it's fallout. If you want to see the bottom of someone's boots, just murder them. Right, you, you just save game, try to see what you can get away with, and then reload. Yeah, exactly. Hit quick save, shoot someone. Ah, oh, that didn't work. Quick load. Oh no, I hit quick save. No! I I got kind of traumatized over quick saving when I played Skyrim. Like, I think my save got corrupted at some point because, yeah, they, they did. Like, the saves for Bethesda games become super loaded at some point. Right. And it seems like it's only a matter of time before they get corrupted and they won't load anymore. So yeah, I, at some point I stopped quick saving and I was super uh, careful when saving my game, even though that doesn't really do anything. I, I just don't... I, I would find it hard to get back to Bethesda games at this point, I think. One quick save incident that stands out to me was um, I was around my friend's house letting him play Half-Life and he got grabbed by one of those limpets that hangs from the roof and he, he's being dragged up towards it and he hits quick save I think he meant quick load and it happens to be he was just too high where if he shot the limpet he fell to his death so, oh. so he either dies by the limpet or dies by shooting here for like, and there's just no way out. <laughs> Should have uploaded that save file. Like it's like art. <laughs> this is Windows 2000 or something. <laughs> but that about brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for joining me, Goes or Goes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Greencast, and uh, better yet, thank you for subscribing wherever you found this episode. You can find more from us on GameGreen.com. Find us on social media or listen to the Pals Anime Lounge podcast, where it's October and spooky month. And until next time, oh. <laughs> game on. <laughs>